1: And we're already to Wednesday. Gotta love that. Tump day today. Middle of the weekday, over the hill day, closer to Friday than we were on Monday, even though Monday was a holiday. All right. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. And we're going to get right underway this morning. And we're going to be talking uh, with folks from the uh, Republican National Convention uh, this morning and get things underway and, uh, and, and talk about what's going on in this w- weird world uh, that we live in now. I mean, seriously, it is a weird world that we are, uh, we're, we're living in. And um, let's get to Savannah. Savannah, how are you today? How are things going in your, your uh, part in the world?
2: Hey, Dave, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me this morning. Hope you're doing
1: all right. Yeah, I'm doing great. Look, uh, we had some here locally. We've got a local newspaper that uh, is, you know, the lefty paper. It comes out and it uh, it it only, um, you know, reflects what the lefties are thinking. And the rhetoric from them about the uh, the Dobbs case has been just to say it's over the top is is an understatement. They so get about a hundred, hundred and fifty people marching, and you would think that uh, you, you know, you've got a hundred thousand marching uh, for, uh, you know, against the Dobbs case, and the things that they're stating uh, have been proven that uh, our trigger law that we had. Uh, and have here in in Arkansas, that it's just not true. You know, they talk about the topic, pregnancies, and, you know, how that can't be treated. That's false. I mean, I've had state legislators sitting in the studio with me saying how false that is. They quote a oncologist who says uh, they're going to have to stop doing uh, chemotherapy because it may— uh cause uh you know uh, the 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 woman to lose her child and and I'm sitting here and I said if if this is a health emergency wouldn't a doctor want have no problem having their name used? I I question the information that they're reporting. But I understand that here in uh, in Little Rock we're not the only ones that are putting up with this kind of ridiculousness.
2: No. I mean, we're seeing that ridiculous ridiculousness everywhere. Um, Democrats are, are really loving to cite these false narratives that abortions, uh, now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned, that abortions for uh, that abortions qualify for ectopic pregnancies or for miscarriages, and that's just simply not the case. Um, I think it goes to show that they're losing th- the narrative here, um, that they're trying to fearmonger the masses, and that they are are doing it in a way that is just disingenuous. Um, you know, pregnancies that that do suffer miscarriages or ectopic pregnancies or anything of the like, those do not qualify abortion. That's uh, correct. I have yet I I would love to find, I mean I wouldn't love to, but I I want a, a democrat to point a law out to me anywhere in the United States that that shows that. I have yet to find one. And then you couple that with the fact that there's all these studies showing that abortions occur um, you know, why people's reasoning for why they get an abortion and the reasons are, are 95% of the time have nothing to do with these medical issues that they're citing So there's just no, um, there's no There's no middle ground here It's just the Democrats trying to fearmonger, And it, it, it really is disingenuous Because it really will put lives at risk
1: Well you know back in, in the day When Clinton was running for office He used to, to say all the time <clears throat> That abortion Should be safe, legal, and rare The whole rare thing That whole argument is out of their lexicon now
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, well, you see it now. You talked about the, you know, 150 people marching. They've got people out there with signs saying, I had an abortion. I'm proud. I want to talk about it. And, you know, that's not safe, legal and rare. You wanting to talk about something all the time, something, you know, as, as tragic and sad as that situation is. That's not. That doesn't qualify as safe, safe, legal, and rare. You know, the Democrats want to have abortion up until the point of birth, partial birth, birth abortion. We've seen it from Democrats throughout the country, um, and they they are no longer the party of safe legal, safe legal and rare. They want abortion on demand. They 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 have no in between here.
1: Yeah, and and the other thing, have you heard this whole thing about chemotherapy can call cause miscarriage?
2: Yeah, I have heard that. And I, I, you know, I'm not a medical doctor, uh, so I, I don't know. Um, but to your point that you made earlier, if if that's the case, then you know, there's a doctor there that that's willing to 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 do what needs to be done for the life of the patient. Um, and again, it doesn't fall under that would not fall under the the criteria uh, that these abortion laws, you know, oversee.
1: Yeah, it's it's it it's really it's just blowing my mind watching this happen and what's going on because it's as if the left well they do this typically they take their brain out uh in the morning and put it in a jar and leave it in a, and leave it there throughout the day when they go do things um i'm i'm looking at some information here biden has refused to name any limits on abortion that he supports despite having acknowledged that abortion kills a child.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't understand um, his faith uh, and how he can have it in conjunction with his views on abortion um, and the rest of his administration. Uh, Recently, last week, their administration had a website that includes a section for people 15 and younger on how to bypass parents um, for these abortions. I mean, it's just it, it goes back to what we saw in Virginia in 2021, where we had Terry McAuliffe, the Democrat candidate, saying, I don't think parents should have a say in children's education. Well, it's very clear that, you know, the Biden administration doesn't think parents should have a say in their children's health uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff and, and their, their lives. I mean, this is a life, literally a life or death decision, and they're trying to bypass the parents. And I mean, I think we'll see it this fall come to come to full circle with with parents and, and voters just telling the Democrats, you know, get get out of this. Um, stop trying to, to babysit our children. You're well, the government.
1: You got Budiceg who refused even to c- condemn things like in Maryland this law that they're talking about where you can kill a, a child up to its one year old and nobody be held uh uh, you know responsible for it in california it's one week is a piece of legislation that's filling out there, and Buttigieg doesn't even talk about this stuff,
2: yeah, I mean every time someone in his administration is asked about abortion, they give no limits that they would support so to your point it it, it we're far from the days of, of Clinton and the safe and rare it's it's let's brag about it, let's talk about it, let's have it on demand, and I want you to pay for it.
1: Yeah, the left is uh, raising, you know, all kinds of unmitigated hell about how the parents didn't stop this shooter the other day. Well, you know, how about – we give parents some responsibility and 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 let them work with their kids. You're talking about this website that says, "Look, if you're a parent, we don't think your kids should even tell you if they're going to have a an abortion. Does something not compute to you as well?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's just no no logic there and you really look at the tragedy of it is that this website is targeted for people fifteen and younger I mean that that is a a monumental decision and a 15 year old or you know someone younger than that if they're in that position they need their parents uh they need their parents to to help guide them and and to to, to talk about you know what in, an abortion actually means and and the fact that the government and the Biden administration literally the website it directs them to abortion finder I mean that's just it, it's abhorrent.
1: Well, I I agree and the Democratic Party has has become the most extreme party uh, ever known dealing with abortion. When it's up until the moment of a birth, and in some cases in the Democrat Party they want it after birth you know if if a if a child is born I mean it just follows if you follow the logic i mean Francis Schaefer said this if you follow the logic, if you think it's all right to kill a child just before it's born, it only makes sense that you would not want to protect the child after it's born,
2: yeah. I mean, they, they no longer want to protect the child. Uh, they no longer want to, I mean, protect children. They, the, the Biden administration is just is out of the realm of, of normalcy here.
1: I appreciate you, thanks, uh, or S- Savannah. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show early in the morning. I know that you're in high demand right now, so I'll let you get ready for your next interview. And thanks so much for being part of our show today.
2: Oh, thanks for having me. I'll always have time for you,
1: Dave. All right. Thank you. Take good take good care. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, this this is a stuff that's just incredible to me and especially I read Max Brantley sometimes. I get I get his tweets and I, I, I watch the ignorant stuff he says and it just amazes me. I mean amazes me when they, they say this whole thing about chemotherapy. They have no basis for what they're saying. None. They 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 say they have a source. What's your source on this? If it's a doctor, the doctor should be willing to go out. I'll make a I'll make a call. See, there's a doctor. I'm going to call right now. See if he'll come on and 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 verify it. This may be something that has been out there for a long time. That chemotherapy is dangerous when a woman is pregnant. There's nothing in the law, the trigger trigger law, that would find the doctor guilty of anything. Uh, especially abortion, uh, in this situation, we got more to talk about. It's Dave Ellswick's show. Don't forget about David Lucas. David Lucas wants you not to forget that he'll teach you all about gold and silver. Should have about fifteen percent gold and silver sitting out in your nest egg. You uh, you you want to protect that nest egg here from the ravages of inflation. You want to protect that nest egg if a recession comes up uh to do that you should probably have about 15% precious metals uh in your uh, nest egg but how do you go about buying them how do you go about uh you know making your way through that whole uh you know mess i, I looked at it as a, i have enough with stocks and bonds in dealing with things and keeping up with the percentages. I I'd, I have very little knowledge about silver and gold. Uh, if you call 501-222-3315, you don't have to be as ignorant as I am. Uh, they'll teach you all about it. They work with one of the, the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country, so you get direct prices uh, from a dealer that you can trust. So call David Lucas Financial. Say, hey, teach me about silver and gold. 501 uh, 222 Thirty-three fifteen. investment advisory services are offered through david lucas financial and arkansas registered investment advisor all right so i uh, i sent out my uh text i'll hopefully get an answer back uh i, I sent a text to greg uh, bledsoe you know, he's an emergency room doctor and uh he's worked with the uh the the health department here in in, uh, Arkansas, asking him about these uh, statements about, you know, if you're a a cancer, an ecologist doctor, a cancer doctor, and uh, you you have a a pregnant woman that's on uh, chemotherapy if uh, she has a miscarriage that somehow the trigger law here in the state on uh, abortion uh, would find them guilty of causing an abortion it's a miscarriage there's a difference between look there's a difference between a miscarriage and abortion big difference I, I read a lady the other night uh saying oh we gotta have uh abortion on demand my daughter's in college right now what happens if she gets pregnant she'll be another dropout and i'm thinking to myself there's a whole lot of things that this woman can do, uh, even if she gets pregnant. There's enough things out there to help her that she can she can continue uh, to go to college and uh, and and finish her degree or or whatnot. Uh, the family can help maybe pick up a little of the slack as well. Uh, it, it's it's these kinds of just wide open arguments like this that the left is throwing out they're 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 doing the spaghetti defense right now that is what they're doing they're throwing everything against the wall like you do spaghetti to see if it's done you throw it all against the wall and then whatever sticks is finished you know that ah <sighs> I don't know why I even get into this. For the simple reason, the left don't care about facts anyway. All their, their arguments will be based on something emotional. Emotionally, they'll base them. And the worst time you can make a decision about anything is when you're wrought up about something. I mean, completely wrought up about it. I should just leave this alone, to be honest. Should follow my own, my own direction here. Because when I when I see people say just ignorant stuff like this, it does get under my skin. you know and they and they they claim it's the God honest truth. And uh, you know, this doctor said, you know, chemotherapy for a pregnant woman could lead to the doctor being you know hauled in front of a court. Who says? who says just somebody you say is a doctor? You know, that's such poor journalism. Oh, but it is the Arkansas Times. I'm I'm saying the same thing twice. I got to be careful about being able to do that. Speaking about misreporting. Anyway, bottom line. Uh, I'm going to take a breath here just for a second. Heidi, I, I got to. Because... I listen to this stuff. Uh, By the way I'm going to be having Monday I'm going to have uh, uh, Rose Mims on. She's going to come on with me and we're going to talk to her about uh, Camp Joshua and uh, the teaching that they have uh, for young people about life. What You know to go through uh, what is abortion, what happens with an abortion uh, talking about and I'm sure they'll talk about the trigger law and things of that nature uh, as well and uh, you know Real facts and things of that nature, which are good things to sit down and, and, uh, and talk about uh, as far as this goes. So we're learning about this shooter in Highland Park. And, uh, you know, the kid was a nut job. I mean, seriously, he was a nut job. How do we protect ourselves from nut jobs like this? You know, I, I'm, I'm more hardcore than probably a lot of people. Uh, yesterday I, I made the statement, and I, I'll stick by it that somebody who goes out and and just um, you know mows people down in the street uh, looking uh, to kill as many people as they can needs to uh, you know needs to have a trial it is due process. Evidence should be presented that they did it should be shown that they and they alone did it and then um after uh, the jury has heard all the stuff and they they uh, they give them a, a guilty verdict uh they should be uh, automatically given a death sentence and then there should be at least one uh time that they can take the the, the thing before another judge and say hey look this wasn't a you know a, a Uh, A real uh, uh, straight court proceeding or something if they want to, you know, want to challenge something. And they should be able to do that once. Not for years. Once. And the judge looks it over and uh, hears their arguments. If they have any merit, then you go from there. If they have no merit, uh, you know, they, they should carry out the sentence there there must be a sense in our country that if you do certain things there is going to be a responsibility that you're going to pay you're going to be held responsible and when you wantonly with uh you know this guy took weeks to plan he took uh clothes uh, that he could dress up in after he did the shooting, so he could appear like a woman, get out in the crowd, and 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 get away without any problem whatsoever, because he has facial tattoos and things of that nature. All of this had uh, kind of hit all of that. I mean, this was well, this was premeditated. This was premeditated, cold-blooded murder, and he should pay the ultimate price. Now, if he can be proved. You know, that he's nuts. I mean, that he's he's got... Wait, I can't say nuts because people get upset when you say they're nuts. Um, let me just... Okay, so if he, if he shows that he's mentally challenged as far as his sanity, uh, then he should be put into a hospital where he is kept for the rest of his life. Somewhere where he can't hurt himself and he can't hurt anybody else should he get out nope i don't think he should get out or if he's if he's well enough to get out then he should be well enough to serve his term in prison because you know right now he's killed allegedly seven people i'll just let it rest there i got to get to the uh, the news let's do that and then we'll come back we got more to talk about Let's continue on here on the Dave Ellswick show. We we'll move over and talk some about criminal justice now, and the defund the police movement that has happened here in uh, in our country. And uh, you've been watching, I'm sure, the news over the weekend, and you know all the different problems that are striking our cities and our uh, well, our neighborhoods. Uh, across the united states at this time greg is going to join us he is the senior criminal justice policy fellow for americans for prosperity americans for prosperity and uh, the dave ellswick show has a long history we've been together uh, you know since at least uh, like 2008 here here in the state. Uh, we still work very closely with our state organization and then from time to time we bring on the national organization with some of their great uh, uh, benefits of the people that they have uh, that work for them and Greg is one of those folks. He's based in Arlington, Virginia. He's an attorney, began his legal career as a law clerk for the Honorable Judge Laura Ripkin on the circuit court for uh, and Ardell County, I think that's how it's pronounced in Maryland, he then practiced at litigation firm in uh, Annapolis before joining Right on Crime and the Texas Public Policy Foundation, another group that is a uh, uh, many times uh, adds into the Dave Ellswick Show and the director of state initiatives and he was the the director of state initiatives for criminal justice so greg i'm not going to run through everything just want to let people know uh, some of your your credibility that you have in this field and you wanted to talk a little bit you know that you can attack crime uh, and you don't need to defund the police and you wanted to talk about something that's going on down in dallas texas Uh, why don't you bring us up on this
3: yeah, Dave, I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on here. Sure. I hope my other uh, AFP predecessors are uh, yeah have kept a good reputation. On oh, they've the done good. They're great. I yeah. go to you
1: guys all the time.
3: Yeah, Ryan Norris down there in Arkansas has done just a fantastic job. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, I'll give him. I'll tell let of you said hi. Uh, but yeah. Uh, going on in Dallas. So, you know, like I said, you know, Arkansas definitely hasn't been immune to some of the homicide rises and violent crimes. I see that, you know, homicides have gone up again this year um, as they've gone up multiple years in a row there in Arkansas. And that's just not something that's just going on there. But across the country, we saw murder rates go up about 30 percent from 2019 to 2020. Um, Carjackings have quadrupled in one year. And most in a lot of cities I live here in Washington, D.C., we've seen a tripling of carjackings, mainly by Young teenagers, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old. It's just been everywhere. And it's not just a major cities problem. You know, homicide rates in rural counties from in 2020 went up 25%. So we're seeing this all over the place. And, you know, the defund movement was definitely a, a major contributing factor uh, to a lot of this stuff. I mean, we, we saw, you know, budgets slashed in a lot of places, the rhetoric. We have police officers leaving in droves from agencies across the country. And that's having a tremendous impact on public safety. And it's completely counter to not only what all the efforts, evidence evidence says about funding police, but also what people want in the jurisdictions that have been hit hardest by violent crime. You know, polling shows that, you know, people in these jurisdictions do want more accountability, and more transparency from their police, but they do want more police and they want public safety um, because they know that that's what it takes. You have police presence that brings down crime. And so Dallas um has kind of kind of bucked the trend from a lot of major cities where we've seen increases in violent crime over the past two years and have actually been able to reverse that trend uh starting in twenty twenty one. Um, you know, the thing that they have very unique there is a the city council A mayor and a police chief that are all on the same page saying that crime needs to be stopped and what do we need to do and what is evidence-based to solve that. So what they're doing uh, down in Dallas is essentially taking their city and saying, where do we need to put our police officers um, to get the most maximum value out of them um, in these higher crime areas? Um, And so, you know, I can talk a little bit about that. Um, As well, essentially what they've done is microgrid their entire city. So they've broken it down into about two football field long uh, jurisdictions all across their city. It's about 1,100 little agencies that they have there. Uh, What they've shown is 14% of their uh, or 10% of their uh, violent crime is coming from 14 of those little microgrids. And so let's put the police right there. Let's enforce the laws there. Let's, let's look at high-risk offenders, these multiple repeat offenders, and enforce the laws there. And then they're looking at other things that have shown to reduce violent crime, like urban blight. So we're talking about vacant lots, uh, you know, getting better lighting in these areas, enforcing code regulations on landlords that allow for their apartments to go dilapidated, which become hotbeds for drug dealing, prostitution, and higher-level crimes. Uh, and these have shown time and time again in major cities like New York and Philadelphia when they've been implemented to actually reduce violent crime uh, in significant ways. But a lot of jurisdictions right now are just are not up to the task of actually coming together with their local leadership and wanting to bring a strategy together. Uh, Dallas is a very unique position. They've seen double digit reductions in their, in their violent crime and homicide wow. rates. And they've also reduced their arrest rates as well. So they actually in, in one year they dropped how many people they're arresting by 11%. So what they're showing is, let's not cast a huge net, or round up a bunch of people, give criminal records that are unnecessary. Let's focus on the high repeat offenders in the worst parts of the town, start there, and then move on to you know social services programming, have this extended uh, you know public safety run uh, within the jurisdiction. So definitely a model for other uh, for other cities to take a look at.
1: Okay, so how do you work around uh, these politicians who uh, you know they want votes? and uh, this whole defund the police uh, movement has uh, gained some some actual ground even though the people who pr- you know pursue it are the same people like Stacey Abrams who's uh, you know a member of a group that pushes this stuff but she spends a half a million dollars a year on her own personal safety uh, how do you get politicians to get on board this knowing that there's there probably will be some pushback at the very beginning
3: yeah, absolutely. Um and, and like you said, I think a lot of, you know, advocacy groups have unfortunately tried to kind of push down this narrative that, you know, the violent crime isn't that big of a deal and, you know, homicide rates are worse than the nineties, so don't worry about it. I mean it's just complete um, you know, just, just just crap. And so, um, you know, what you need is is really just to hold individuals accountable. And We're kind of starting to see a little bit of a trend reversal um, on that. You know, you could really notice a lot of the rhetoric, even from uh, Democrat candidates for mayor and council um, across the country um, while primaries were going on. And obviously, you had a recall election in San Francisco because of the dissatisfaction. Of the residents of a very progressive place like San Francisco, to the quality of life that was going on there. You know, you're spending seven figures on a house, and you can barely get out of your uh, your front door without being, um, you know, potentially a, a victim of crime. Uh, and so, I think we are starting to see a little bit of a reversal here as more people get vocal, and unfortunately, more bodies uh, continue to pile up. I, I mean, again, I live here in D.C. Um, you know, on, on June teeth I wrote about this in my op-ed. Uh, you know, there was there was multiple children. You know, killed that day in the high, busy uh, district of the nicest part of town down into the southeast of of Anacostia, uh, one of the uh, lower socioeconomic areas where, you know, another little girl was killed. And finally, you can tell residents are, are, you know, really having enough of this. And even the rhetoric is starting to change. So, you know, it's just going to take accountability. We have to stop. You know, we, we all we put so much focus on president and congressman, and those are all important. But you really need to start focusing on these local elections. Who your police chief is, who are you putting in city council, and who is your mayor? That is going to determine what your safety is in your neighborhood much more than whoever's sitting, you know, in, in at the Oval Office in D.C. So
1: you you tell you tell me, uh, you know what. What do we do when we have a mayor that doesn't and, – and we've got one of those mayors sitting here in, in Lularock Rock right now who says, I want to build a new park instead of – of doing serious things to, to bring crime to heal uh in in the city i mean uh you just go out and find somebody you can run against him and then start pointing out the problems that the mayor has so that you can move him out of office and get somebody in that will you know put the policies in that you think will work the best
3: Yeah, no, I think that's certainly a part of it. And, you know, I'll I'll give a a plug for America's prosperity. I I think Ryan does a great job of education and getting, you know, grassroots activated and motivated. I think we do a terrific job of, you know, finding lawmakers and having citizens hold their feet to the fire. And so I, I think it's a good first step to go to our website and then reach out to Ryan and see how you can get involved um, with American prosperity to try to start holding local leaders accountable, because that's what it's going to take. They need to know that this is the most important, serious topic um, that is going to impact potentially the reelection bids and that public safety is number one. uh, And these are the things that we need to see. You should be asking, what is this crime strategy plan? What are we doing about vacant lots? What are we doing about teenagers that are carjacking and joyriding around the city? Um, what are we doing about quality of life things? What are we doing about dilapidated uh, apartments? Why is the lighting so terrible in these areas where we see murders and carjackings continue to happen on the same you know corners? Why are they able to drug deal in front of people's houses that are just trying to go to work and live their life? You know, start asking these questions. Be that squeaky wheel. Um, that is the only way that you're going to get local politics to be influenced because it is such a insiders club. Particularly when you get down to that level, um, citizens just have to start speaking up, and they haven't for quite a while. And maybe one of the good things that. We do see from um, you know some of this rising violent crime that it forces you know leadership uh, in these cities to actually finally start to act. But I just haven't seen a lot of places yet, and it's been uh, incredibly disappointing. I mean, we're in year three now of homicide rates and violent crime rates going up across the country, um, and you still see a lot of inaction from leadership. So. It's going to be a long slog, uh, but it starts with citizens. It starts with the residents. It starts with the people that are impacted the most by violent crime to speak up and say this is unacceptable.
1: Greg Riloud is our uh, guest. We're going to continue to hold on to him and talk to him a little bit more uh, when we get back, uh, get our final break here in for this hour. By the way, I I wanted to ask, did, did a lot of this thinking that we're talking about right now in Dallas start after they had that major shooting in their city?
3: yeah it was definitely a part of it um another part of it was when chief eddie garcia their, their new police chief came um over there i believe in the later end of 2020 from san jose he had a great reputation of building community trust and also really um having evidence-based strategies to fight violent crime and i think he's been a terrific uh leader there uh their mayor eric johnson has been a you know terrific leader we're talking about you know a, a democrat-run city too you know so this isn't something where you have some Republican stronghold or anything else like that. This is showing that it could happen in, you know, very blue cities just like Dallas. So that was that was the nexus of it a lot. Um, and a lot of what they've done, too, is been shown historically uh, in other places. You know, Boston did something like this called Focus Deterrence, where they focus on these places. Oakland's other homicide rate go down by 50 percent when they implemented these strategies Starting in 2012, and so this has shown success in major urban jurisdictions. We have the blueprint. It's just going to take bandwidth and and a will, uh, you know, for for, you know law enforcement uh, across the country uh, to do this. And again, chiefs, police chiefs are have their hands tied to what the mayor wants to do. Uh, a lot of the times, and so even if you have a great police chief that wants to implement more evidence based strategies they're probably having a tough time retaining uh, recruits because of the rhetoric because of cutting of funding because of all these budgetary issues, and they may not have a mayor or city council as going to allow them to you know really implement a lot of these you know public safety reducing uh, increasing strategies so um, yeah, but back to your point on Dallas. I mean, that was that was a big nexus of it, having new leadership in there, bringing it all together, um, and having that shared vision.
1: All right, let's get back. Let me take a quick break here, Greg. You stay tuned. Pour yourself another cup of coffee. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Greg, of course, is with Americans for Prosperity. Don't forget about PI Roofing. Had Joel Johnson on yesterday, the owner and main bottle washer uh, for PI Roofing. He wanted to let you know that they're standing by to help you. And if your roof has been denied uh, after the hailstorm we had a few uh, weeks back, uh, if you'll give them a call, they'll come back out and uh, re-inspect your roof and get it in front of your insurance company again uh, to try to get that that kind of work done. Uh, Don't forget also that uh, if you look up at your roof and the people who did it, it looks a little maybe shabby or it doesn't you know something just doesn't seem right to you uh small charge from PI Roofing they'll come out take a look at the roof and tell you uh what they missed and what needs to be done to make it uh, come up to code uh that's PI Roofing just call them 501-707-3551 501 501- all right, 501-707-3551, or visit them online, piroofing.com. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick's show. Don't forget about our friends at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Eric Coleman, ready to uh, serve you. If you need a repair, he can do it. If you uh, just want to look through and peruse through his shop, he's got plenty of uh, of uh, really beautiful jewelry for you to choose from. Uh, If you want something specific, you want something that's designed, a custom piece, he can do that for you as well. If you're looking for wedding rings or engagement ring sets, uh, he's the best guy to go to here in the city because he's going to save you money. I mean, he's got just a whole lot of diamonds that are loose diamonds and you can look at them you can maybe there's something you need to you need to cut a certain way a pear shape or you know things of that nature and you want to put into a a setting for yourself Uh, talk to uh, to uh, eric he can do that he can also of course help you out with those engagement rings as well and and you asked Ask the lady you're getting married to, what is she looking for in an engagement ring? She'll tell you. And uh, then you take that to Eric and let him take that information and and work it into the design for that ring. He's got a uh, computer set up where he can feed all of that into the computer. And it will design a ring uh, under those specifications and will say her name when she sees that ring he can make the you know the the wax impression the whole nine yards right there in his office Uh, he does it all he does it all you got jewelry that your mother left you or uh, somebody in the family left you you can take it into to to eric and he'll appraise it for you you can either take the cash or you can turn around and uh, uh, use that money and get a little extra and be able to uh, buy some of the materials that uh, that Eric has at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Just stop by and visit him. 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard in Suite E. He's open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Call him 501. 501- 246-3655 if you need to set up a time uh, to visit with him. Our our guest, Greg Goud, is with us. Uh, he uh, works for Americans for Prosperity. He is the Senior Criminal Justice Policy Fellow for Americans for Prosperity. Uh, we've been talking about an op-ed he that, that he has just written and he was talking about Dallas and what is going on in Dallas and how uh, they are cutting back on uh, on crime you know he debunks this whole defund the police movement uh it's called violent crime reduction plan in dallas and it's doing just that it's reducing crime how do you get it started in your own city uh greg i mean that's the big question how do you do it if how do you how do you make the the people at the top listen to what you're telling them yeah,
3: um, it's, it's a great question because um, I feel like this should be being implemented across the country and, you know, things like this are, are not um, coming through. I mean, some of it's financial, obviously, but, you know, th- there's going to be money with investments and strategies to, you know, clean up, you know, vacant lots and, and lighting and, and code enforcement on apartment buildings and, um, you know, the utilization of police and get the plan. So there, there, are, there are some financial impediments. But those are pretty small uh, compared to just meeting that will, and like I talked about uh, part of the break, just kind of that vision amongst, you know, all three of uh, the city council, the chief, and the mayor to come together and, and figure out what they want to do, um, you know, together to kind of to combat violent crime, and, and so, in a lot of jurisdictions, I just don't think you have that will or that shared vision amongst city council. Again, I'll bring up, I live in Washington, D.C. We've had multiple council council people, um, you know, kind of almost say that, you know, violent crime's a part of kind of like doing business, and uh gentrifying neighborhoods, you're you're just gonna run into it. And I just find that rhetoric is absolutely unacceptable. And if you're even starting there where we can't share a vision that this is unacceptable what's going on and we have to actually, you know, stop this and, and arrest people and enforce this and prevent violent crime, um, I I think you're you're really already, you know, starting off on the wrong foot and probably not gonna be able to get to plan and strategy and implementation. So that's a major part of it. The other things that we've seen are our recruitment and it gets back to defunding. I mean we're seeing law enforcement leave in droves from the police force um, you know, you, you're underpaid, you're under, uh, you, know, uh, you know, people are t- coming at you and then yelling rhetoric at you and then saying how you know, horrible you are and, and all this stuff, and you're underappreciated within the community. You're not getting the tools to succeed like doing things like this, and it's hindering um, your relationships with, with um, you know, the community. And so it's made their jobs a lot more difficult. And so when you have low morale, you may not have a shared vision. Um, and, and you're already talking about potentially cutting funding, it's really hard to implement strategies like this. So again, it comes from the people. If the people demand this type of stuff and start questioning it and making phone calls to their police chief or their mayor or the city council saying that this is working in Dallas, why are we doing this in Little Rock? You know, murders are up again in 2022 uh, by a significant margin. I think already year to date they're up like 30, 36% from the previous year. What is going on? What is the strategy uh, that we need to take? And again, it just all starts with the grassroots and demanding better accountability from your leadership.
1: Greg, thanks for being with us today. If somebody wants to get a copy of that op-ed, where can they go? Yeah, if they just,
3: uh, you know, if you want to type in my name, Greg Glod, Glod is G-L-O-D, um, and it was in the Washington Examiner. Uh, the name of it is uh, Violent Crime Spike Illustrates Need for More Reform, uh, Not Less," And that's also pinned to my Twitter, which is just at uh, Greg Glod. So you can find it both ways uh, there. Uh, really would love for you all to read it. And please, if you have any questions or anything like that, uh, please feel free to reach out on Twitter or to my my email or, or whatever else. It's at It's G-G-L-O-D at A-F-P-H-Q dot org. And so please feel free to reach out to me if you have any uh questions. uh, questions about this? Uh, any other evidence or data, or saying, "Hey, our city would potentially do this." You know, myself, Ryan, our team and AFC Arkansas, would be lovely. You know, happy to help out and uh, talk to you a, a little bit more about this, or even how to get involved um, and, and speaking with your with your local leadership.
1: All right, Greg, thank you very much. We'll have you up in the near future again, and I'll put this up on my Facebook later today for my listeners. Thank you very much, and have a great day. And thanks for being part of the Dave Ellswick Show today, Greg Gloud, American for Prosperity here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Congressman Hill, Congressman Westerman in the next hour as we continue on the Dave Ellswick Show. o'clock hour. Good to have you along for the ride today. Uh, This is always a good day to be on the Dave Ellswick Show and listening because this is when we bring on congressman french hill from district two congressman bruce westerman from district four and you hear their thoughts on different uh, things that are happening uh with the administration with uh, washington dc with the republicans and let's start off uh congressman hill with you uh, giving your thoughts that it just came out that uh they're removing uh, oil from the petroleum reserve and evidently sending it overseas uh, if i remember correctly that wasn't anything that the strategic petroleum reserve was supposed to be used for
4: good morning dave great to be with you hope you had a great uh, fourth of july i did so you're 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 exactly right the strategic petroleum reserve is for true national iner- emergencies and let me give you two thoughts one These trickling amounts that the president has released uh, really don't have any impact on prices. They're microscopic compared to global demand and global prices set by the marketplace uh, out there around the world. And so what we're doing is we're reducing our strategic petroleum reserve in case we might actually really need it in case of a war-type environment. And obviously we're going to have to pay much higher prices president trump turned the strategic petroleum reserve over to uh joe biden in in good shape and the other thing that irritates me about the strategic petroleum reserve is that congress is always using it as a pay for you know they'll release some barrels or not buy some barrels and use it as a pay for and that's a gimmick too so we need to leave the strategic petroleum reserve alone and use it for the purpose for which it was intended
1: Yeah. And this whole thing of people saying, well, look, uh, oil went down. That's because the economies across the world are going down.
4: Precisely. We have uh, we have been increasing supply. Right. And we are seeing a slowdown in uh, the economy. And so uh, we've leveled off in here. But it's not because uh, of Joe Biden uh, doing anything to help increase supply faster better and cheaper because his administration still has a war on energy
1: yeah there's still oil and and gas how about uh, a couple of things one the uh, supreme court ruled uh, about the epa and that the epa uh, now can't just willy-nilly pass rules like against the coal industry and stuff that was a big win Uh, That occurred. We didn't get a chance to really talk about that.
4: No, Dave, I think it was bigger than it even was publicized. Over the seven years you and I have spent together talking uh, as frequently as possible, I have frequently told you one of the biggest detriments to freedom in our society and Congress being able to control the government and offer alternatives is to repeal the Chevron decision at the Supreme Court. Scalia, former justice, said it was the worst thing that ever happened while he was on the court. The Chevron decision basically meant, from the 1980s, that if a regulatory agency said something was true, it was basically true. If a regulatory agency proposed a rule, they had deference that what they were proposing was correct. And so this decision last week was huge. So the top line headline was, gosh, the Uh, EPA can't regulate carbon uh, under its pollution standards. It's a stretch of the law. True. Good news. But the bigger news is that you have to have an overriding... Uh, regulatory and, you know, congressional approval for one of these independent agencies. And that's the big change. That's what I'm excited
1: about. Yeah, what? let me ask this. Is, is there a, a change beginning within Congress? And I guess this might pick up steam if you guys actually do take over the House and the Senate. And that being that maybe the Congress is ready to make decisions about these rules instead of just, you know, saying to the EPA... Okay here you guys uh you guys tell us what needs to be done and then do it.
4: Right. Well, that's what we try to do, and Congress should write more specific uh, bills and not leave these broad bills and turn it over to the independent regulatory agencies for the whim of back and forth between different administrations. So I agree with that point. But this is also a new barrier. The independent regulatory agencies have to jump over, which is going to be much higher and much easier for Congress to police and for the courts to police that they are exceeding their power authorized by Congress. And so all around, I think this is a win for the economy. I think it's a win for liberty in our country. And I think it's a win for Congress's oversight of the executive.
1: Uh, I sent you a story uh, through Dan, and uh, I told him that I wanted to ask you about it. It was uh, titled, Plans for New Semiconductor Factories Across America Hit Major Roadblock. Said major projects to increase the United States manufacturing capacity for semiconductors have been put on hold as supporting legislation has been delayed in Congress. Many Asian economies implemented uh, harsh lockdown measures in response to COVID creating bottlenecks in the global semiconductor supply chain. We know all about that. We've talked about it. Yep. As a yep. result, American consumers and businesses have faced a shortage of products that require computer chips. Some automotive companies, for example, have been forced to limit or pause production, worsening, worsening pardon me, inflationary pressures as vehicle prices surge at the highest rate in decades in response uh, the lawmakers proposed a $52 billion Chips for America Act. However, because the funding has not yet reached chip makers, Intel, TSMC, and Global Foundries issued public warnings that they might scale back their plans to make semiconductors in the United States, that according to the Department of Commerce. What's going on with the money? I mean, uh, Sounds like, uh, to me, that's a place where the money should be flowing pretty doggone quick. Yeah.
4: So, uh, good summary. Two two comments. One, we passed uh, the authorization to uh, encourage semiconductor uh, production in last year's National Defense Authorization Act. The money that you referred to has been hung up in a negotiation between the House and Senate on a big science China bill that Chuck Schumer and Chairman Menendez, the Democratic chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, have been proposing. That meeting started in April, and they have still not finished the House-Senate conference on this China competes bill. So I think actually the money is held up by all the Democrat priorities that actually end up benefiting China that are in that bill. But I expect it will break loose here soon. Point one. Point two is, look, the Americans' uh, companies are changing rapidly because of the pandemic. They're reassessing the supply chain without any money from Congress. Point three, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act by President Trump freed up a trillion dollars to come back to the U.S. for investment, and I would remind everybody, Taiwan Semiconductor has already announced they're building an enormous new plant in Arizona, and Intel is building an enormous semiconductor plant in Ohio. Those were announced. Uh, Sure, they might benefit from this $52 billion, but I think these companies recognize they need to move production back to the biggest buyer and user of semiconductor chips, and that's the United States.
1: Okay, so you think that this is going to work its way out, but the Democrats are muddying the waters is what you're saying.
4: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I know you're shocked to hear that. Oh, yeah, I am. Yeah.
1: <laughs> De- definitely am shocked to, to hear hear that. Not to mention, we've got uh, Biden already talking about, uh, you know, loosening up the tariffs in uh, in China. Your thoughts about that? I mean, Trump put those in, in place to put some pressure on the Chinese. Is now the time to get rid of them? Well, I didn't
4: like the the across-the-board tariffs on everything on steel and aluminum. I thought that raised prices in the U.S., and it didn't stop uh, dumping from Chinese or Vietnamese-type companies. So I didn't like that one, but I thought the tariffs that he put on Chinese goods generally uh, put them in a position to come to the negotiating table, which they did on some agricultural products. Anything that brings China, (coughs) tells China that we're not business as usual and that we want them to play by the rules, is generally a winner over the long haul. And so I think we ought to be very selective about lowering those on China. I'd want to see the exact list of what Biden's proposing. He's been talking about this for months, but he hadn't proposed anything that I've read specifically. So we'll do that in the coming days. But pressure on China should be the name of the game for this administration, and Biden 's administration has generally kept up that pressure on China that President Trump started so let's make sure that we can continue to do that
1: all right our guest uh, of course Congressman French Hill District two he'll continue being with us here when we come back we got to get a break in let's do that and then um, more uh, with the congressman on the Dave Ellswick show don't forget about ICU protection. Uh, Billy Mac wants you to give them a call. I was talking to someone yesterday, uh, said that Billy Mac had come out to uh, their business and and then uh, talked to them about their house, and they were just thrilled with what the uh, information Billy and Mac had brought. Uh, They beat all the other companies price-wise and then offered a whole lot more uh, to back up than what these companies offered as well. That's what I found out when I had Billy Mack out to my house. Uh, I got uh, the the system, uh, security system that I wanted at a price that was cheaper than the others and uh, that's the way to do it. Know that you'll never be paying for the hardware. Uh, you'll just pay for the service. That's all you pay for. You pay for the service. If you give him a call, 501-205-1333, he will help you with uh, making the decisions you need to have the right door and window sensors, cameras, all the things you want for the security of your home or your business. That's ICU Protection, 501-205-1333. You call Billy today and tell him, I told you to talk to you. Take the answer with you anywhere with our free mobile app,
0: 1011FMTheAnswer.com, Amazon Alexa, iHeart, or Radio.com. Breaking news and stimulating talk, 101.1FM The Answer.
1: All right, back with you uh, again. Our guest this half hour is Congressman French Hill from uh, Washington, D.C., District 2 Congressman, talking to him about what's happening uh, in Washington. We've already covered two big uh, stories that I wanted to touch base on. The uh, other story I really want to touch base was this new Monmouth poll uh, that's out there. I mean, I'm seeing numbers I've never seen before. Uh, congressman you know i've been following this for you know many many 50 years i've been involved in all of this stuff and 90 percent of those polls said the country's going in the wrong direction 90 have you ever heard that number before would you talk in polling no i mean it's overwhelming and
4: People are concerned about economic issues and the president is telling us that the economy is fine other than Vladimir Putin. And it's just a complete disconnect between Biden's policies and what's happened in the economy. Uh, we were recovering in a V-shaped recovery with rapid job growth, uh, jobs more jobs than people ever out of work, back to full employment. Uh, and. We are now, you know, mired in what could be a, a recession after we see the second quarter growth uh, being flat or negative. And uh, inflation like we haven't seen in 40 years. So classic stagflation. And the last time we saw numbers this uh, unhappy were probably during uh, uh, Jimmy Carter's uh, years.
1: Yeah, I, I, I looked at this poll. Let me just run through this. And uh, This is over 70% when you add these numbers together. What are the biggest issues facing your family right now? 33% inflation, 15% gas prices, 9% the economy, 6% everyday bills and groceries, and 5%, only 5% said abortion. Uh, So all of this rhetoric we keep getting from the White House Uh, dealing with abortion, though it's an important issue to some people, to the majority of people, everyday life seems to be more important to them.
4: They're shocked right now, Dave, trying to buy an airline ticket uh, of $1,100 to go someplace that might have been half that a year ago. A 17% increase in what they paid for their barbecue on the 4th of July Uh, And, of course, gas being number one, up 55% from last Fourth of July. That's what people are talking about. That's what's impacting real people's lives, working families, our retired folks. And that's why I say inflation is a thief. And that's why Biden has done a terrible job on fighting inflation because of his spending, which we warned him, and we warned, actually, President Trump and the Federal Reserve in the fall of 2020 take your foot off the gas! The economy is recovering. And Biden doubled down and passed a $2 trillion unfunded American rescue plan, quote-unquote. And basically, we're feeling like hostages. We don't feel rescued. Uh, And then the $2 trillion infrastructure bill that was not uh, targeted and not paid for.
1: Yeah, I I don't understand the tone-deafness of this administration. I mean, even when Jeff Bezos comes out. Now, Jeff Bezos is is a Democrat. He, he's a liberal. He owns the Washington Post. And you read the Washington Post, you know what I'm talking about. And even he is telling the president that uh, these, you're just trying to distract with this other stuff from the stuff that's really hurting people here in our communities. And, in fact, it's hurting the most neediest in our communities.
4: President Biden and his team are committed to one thing, and that is ending fossil fuel use and having America become Europe when it comes to climate policies. And, and and this is an important and, and they've left off Russia, China, India completely off the responsibility hook for their continued massive use of coal as a fuel source. We're not exporting nuclear to them. We're not exporting liquefied natural gas to them. We're not encouraging them to move to natural gas. And so everything we're doing here and all the burdens we're putting on the American family are absolutely useless in the face of all that, quote, carbon being emitted by those countries. So this administration is uh, destroying our economy for a goal that is unreachable on their
1: part all right so i'm going to ask uh i'm just going to ask you to to, to to think a little bit with me here in about biden a lot of people wondering if he'll run for re-election i look at him doing exactly what lbj did after he got beat up by the vietnam war That about a year before uh you know next election 2024 he's going to say he's decided not to run again you think he's going to run you think he's not going to run
5: uh,
4: i just think this is like 1980 for me i think it's a wide open race teddy kennedy challenged jimmy carter due to carter's incompetence carter went went ahead with it he should have pulled an lbj and and not and i so i think by in my opinion biden doesn't win uh, and they'll even produce a more liberal more crazy candidate uh than than joe biden uh but I think it's time for generational change there. I don't think they can run him again. I think it'd be a mistake. And his vice president would be a terrible candidate. So. Uh I think that's where we are with the Democrats.
1: Yeah, would word salad Harris absolutely don't? I wouldn't want her as my candidate either. To be honest, hey, I appreciate if your I time. If yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I against her, I'd take her.
1: I appreciate your time, Congressman. I really All do. The best Glad to hear babe. you had a great Fourth of July. We'll talk to you later. Happy of you. All, All right, right. Congressman. Uh, of course, French Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show coming up after the news bottom of the hour uh, in fact bill o'Reilly'll be with us uh we 're going to come back and talk to congressman bruce westerman he 's let me know he 's ready to go, so uh we'll we'll touch base with him and see how how his fourth was and then we 'll find out his thoughts about some of the things that we just got done talking about with with Congressman Hill. this Monmouth poll, though, oh my gosh. I mean, if you are the Biden administration, and, and, you know, you always hear people say, well, Dave, it's it's only 2022. There's two years before the next election. Oh, I don't think that he can survive this, the way it's going. I mean, 78 percent, 78 percent are saying he should not seek another term. I've never seen numbers that high on that question uh, before. And that whole thing about is is the country going in the right way, or the wrong way? Ninety percent saying wrong way. Yeah, you got the whole country looking at you and saying, "What is your problem?" Duh, figure it out, Mr. President, please. And they're, they're just doing things that's just really, really. To me, I, I don't know. I, I I've only been watching politics for. 50, 55 years. um, Surely, uh, they supposedly know more than I do. Um, They're they're so sold out on this Green New Deal and everything, and to the left, you know, they really did think that the left had taken over uh, completely the Democrat Party. And maybe maybe they have. And, And the Democrat Party is going to pay. They are going to pay huge for this i mean when this uh uh, you know decision comes up Dobbs comes up and it's only cracking five percent with the general public and everything else is dealing with how am i going to pay my bills what how am i going to put gas in my car and all the rest you are in deep deep kimchi and if you're former military you know what i'm talking about time for bill o'reilly Hey, let me tell you, no use to go out and buy a, a really good insurance uh, health uh, policy if the deductible is like eight thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars. Then what you have is a insurance policy that's great for uh, you know really bad situations, but everyday situations that you need your health insurance. You're not even going to scratch the health insurance you don't even going to touch it it's all going to be coming out of your pocket. I mean, I think that's the biggest issue I hear from people when they're when they're talking about their health insurance is that well, you know the hospital wants uh, money up front. the doctor wants money up front. Uh, this person wants a check. that person wants a check. How about if I told you that there was a way that you could get a check coming back to you? Giving you some money back, would you be interested? Well, then you need to talk to pat davis i 'm going to give you his phone number and uh, his uh, you know uh, internet uh, contact uh, information so you can get a hold of him and find out how you might be able to get uh, a check back from the hospital from your doctor, even your insurance company. I mean Pat has a way of doing health insurance. That uh, you end up getting money back for uh, you know everyday kind of things that you go and see your doctor about. You can save thirty to fifty percent on your health insurance. Call this number five zero one six zero five six nine three five. Now Pat is a local uh, businessman. Lives up in Cabot. He will help you out. Five zero one six zero five six nine three five, or visit him online, yourhealthplanman.com. And it's not just for the individual. If you have a business, you want to, you know, perhaps you've been giving health insurance uh, to your uh, your employees. You want to continue to do that, but it's getting more and more expensive. Talk to Pat. And he can save you money. We had a a business on the last time he was on talking about how they had saved him 15K over the last year. That could be you this time. Talk to Pat Davis, 501 605 6935, because he is your health plan man. All right, joining us is uh, District 4 Congressman, of course. That's Bruce Westerman. And, Bruce, i got to tell you, tomorrow we're going to do a a 9 o'clock segment about uh, uh, education uh, choice. And we have now had Florida. We have now had Arizona. Uh, I understand that there's uh, some other states now that are ready to do what you've been saying since 2010. Dude, you're like the guru. You you played you you piped the tune, and they they got in line, and now they're finding out what you were telling them back then is right.
5: Well, it it probably didn't happen quite that way, Dave, but I'm glad that positive things are happening, and that uh, we were able to work on some stuff back then to maybe uh lay down a foundation and set a path forward so that good things can happen. But uh there's obviously a lot of people that have been working on these issues and a lot of people continue to work on them. Um so uh I'm, I'm excited to hear you're having a, so you're having a whole show
1: on it. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do an hour on it tomorrow. Absolutely. I'm excited because I, I think we're going to join Arizona. We're going to join uh, uh, Florida and, and several other states that are looking at uh, letting the money follow the students.
5: Yeah, well, I saw where Arkansas's got a lot of excess money right now. Ah, <laughs> yeah,
1: the, the governor just called a special session, you know, and I I've been asking our uh, our uh, uh, you know uh, state legislators that all I ask with is with this whole thing and maybe a recession hanging out there that maybe we don't look at spending too much money and especially and and this is me talking. That I understand that our governor would like to run for president. Don't use the money we've got here in this state to, you know, paint your role in gold. You know what I'm saying?
5: Yeah, and I think you have to be careful too because a lot of that money is obviously just federal money from. The it's one-time money. Explode, explode to the state. Yeah, I think uh, I think Arkansas's growth has been. Uh, was was on the right track before the pandemic, but I think all the, the federal influx of money probably uh, clouded the picture. Uh, I'm not sure anybody knows exactly how much of that is from federal spending and how much of it is from the, uh, the economic growth in the state. But I think I told you the story about a state senator from California that wants to take their newly found budget surplus and buy water rights from farmers. Yeah. Uh, You know, California was nowhere close to even thinking about being able to uh, have a budget surplus until the pandemic came along, and um, Nancy Pelosi was able to direct all that COVID money back to California, and now they're sitting there with a big budget surplus, which is dangerous because they come up with these great ideas like buying water rights from farmers and taking more ag land out of production.
1: Yeah, it's not water rights that they need. What they need is to listen to people like you whose degree is in, you know, forestry and things of that nature and listen to what you can tell them about how they can take care of their water problems in a logical, uh, step-by-step way. You've been I mean, you all have been talking to them. They're just not listening.
5: Well, Congress has even passed laws to allow them to do things like raising the dam at Lake Shasta. And the environmentalists out there even shut that down. They challenge it in court and hold it up and meanwhile, uh, you know, five to six hundred thousand acres of very fertile farmland is laying fallow this summer because uh they they don't have a, any water. You obviously can't grow food without water. And and then you got people like this California State Senator that think they're still not flushing enough water out into the uh bay to recover a delta smelt that nobody's seen in years. So he wants to buy more water rights from farmers and flush more water out uh, out of the rivers. So that's the that's the state they're in out
1: there. All right, now I got to ask you, you it, you guys take over the the house again in in November. Uh, come January, you'll be the head of uh, natural resources there in the uh, in the, in the house. Is there anything you can do? To slow that down out in california to get some get some just logic going out there yeah
5: well the thing you've got to do is you've got to take away these uh environmental laws that have been used that have been weaponized by the environmentalists to stop everything and uh that is a that is an uphill battle but we will be marching uphill on it and you know the trump administration um did a a lot of good things in this area where they made the laws that uh, were there on the books they used them to actually fulfill the purposes of having cleaner water and cleaner air and uh, you know saving endangered species but that was all done administratively and now the Biden administration has come in and, and reversed that you know with the food shortages that are looming ahead you uh, one of the big things the Trump administration did was fix the waters of the U.S. rule. Well, Biden came in and changed that right back to how Obama had it. And at a time when we need to be helping farmers grow more food and and be more productive, uh, this administration just put more onerous regulations on them. Uh, that's why G.T. Thompson, he's, he'll be the chairman of the Ag Committee. He's from Pennsylvania. He and I filed the bill. Uh, to help remove regulations from farmers that's impeding their ability to produce, uh, and you know this is stuff that doesn't get talked about a lot. But uh, pesticides and herbicides, uh, the administration has come in and made it extremely difficult to use uh, those tools to help protect their, uh, help farmers protect their crops. Uh, they're. Uh, putting onerous regulations on uh, poultry and pork and beef processors, trying to blame them for the uh, increased costs in food. And instead of actually addressing the problems and trying to fix them, uh, they're doubling down and making things worse. Uh, it's, uh, it, honestly, if they would do nothing, the country would be better off than when they decide to, to take an action. I was thinking about, During World War II, um, a guy named um, or uh, during the war effort, we had to use all the ag land basically to grow food for the war effort. Right, Uh, but George Washington Carver came up with this plan to do victory gardens and it was you know it's kind of all hands on board here's what we can do to grow more food to get through this this effort and this administration uh, instead of looking for ways to solve problems they just throw more regulations out there and say uh, you know everybody's going to be an organic farmer i guess is what they would uh, like to see but this the sad truth of that is you just can't feed the population that we need to feed unless you use the science and the tools that we've got. And it's not like they're finding all these new revelations in, uh, in science and in the research that they're doing. They're actually going against the, their own research scientists in the, uh, the federal agencies and just putting onerous regulations out there that have no basis behind them
1: it really is amazing uh congressman about what is occurring i mean we haven't started to feel the pinch the the hard pinch yet of what's happened in ukraine with the wheat and all of that that's going to come up in the fall when <coughs> excuse me They'd be out there harvesting those wheat fields and stuff, and suddenly that wheat's not getting into the world market. It's going to really hurt some of the third world countries, and it's going to drive prices up here in the United States
5: yeah, it's going to hurt here in the in the u s as well um and you've you know for instance, you've probably seen the advertisements the trial lawyers are out there trying to sue um for, for Roundup, People oh yeah, have been exposed to Roundup. Well, there's uh, the science isn't behind that, but uh, the Democrats and the Biden administration are trying to make them put cancer labeling on the on the Roundup bottles or glycophosphates, and uh, what they're doing is just setting up. Uh, kind of setting the stage for the trial lawyers and that's what I found they do with a lot of regulation is they try to figure out how they can create funds and liabilities so that you can have trial lawyers go in and, and sue folks. And even in, in transportation, they want to raise the uh, the liability insurance rates for truckers um, so that, you know, it gives the trial lawyers a bigger target to, to aim at. And if you look at the the underlying Motivation of a lot of their their legislation and their actions. That's where you come back to.
1: It's incredible. It really is. And that's you know that's the butter toast in the bread. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly oh, what's yeah. going because so what they what they do is and then for our listeners, what happens is and then the trial lawyers donate to the to the, the Democrats in overwhelming uh, dollars to help. Uh, you know, get them reelected. And it's just a vicious circle at that point. All right, we're going to come back, talk further to the uh, the congressman uh, in just a moment. We've got to get one final break in. So, uh, Bruce, if, you, if you'll if you just uh, sit there for a minute, we'll come back, grab yourself another cup of coffee or whatever, and I'll be back with you here in just a second. And we'll talk about inflation and and a few other things here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about East End Towing. They are there to help you if you find yourself sitting on the side of the road. Nobody wants to sit on the side of the road in the summertime. It's hot. Your car stopped. There's no air conditioning. You're burning up. You know, you want somebody to come out and get things taken care of. ASAP. That's where East End Towing comes in. You call them direct, all right? Here's the number. I've been telling you for a long time now, you should have this number in your uh, your cell phone. So please put it in there. So all you got to do is... You know, hit it and and get in contact with them. Five zero one eight 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 eighty eight forty nine. One of the biggest fleets there in the state of Arkansas is East End Tony Towing. Five zero one eight 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 eighty eight forty nine. They understand private property tows. Uh, they know what they need to do for your uh, get your vehicle to where you want it to go to. Uh, they know what to do if your car is broken down or your SUV or your pickup and you're towing a, a boat or a camper. They can help you out with that as well. Uh, they're folks that belong to the Arkansas Towing Recovery Board. They're licensed insured tow operation and every truck is permitted. That is East End Towing. 501-888-8849. All right, back for about six minutes here with uh, our congressman from District 4. That's Bruce Westerman. Bruce, the, the environmental groups never let up. They are always, always, always pushing for more things to happen. You got Greenpeace out there. You got the Sierra Club. Sierra Club used to be a great group. I used to uh, donate to them because they used to talk about buying land and, and, you know, protecting it and things of that nature. That's not the way they act now. Now they're just uh, uh, the the shrill voices on the on the fringe always, you know, screaming about we need to end coal power. We need to block oil and gas project developments. Uh, They've argued for banks to divest from fossil fuel projects, which I personally think is going to be found illegal. But still, uh, you know what they're doing is is causing things to get uh, tougher and tougher for us here in the United States, and it's tougher and tougher now in Europe. I mean, if we can't supply Europe with the natural gas, where are they supposed to get it from if we want them not to get it from Russia?
5: Dave, you've opened up so many so many questions there and so many places to go. Sorry. Uh, no it's uh it's stuff that needs to be talked about Uh, you know when you talk about some of these fringe environmental groups they uh they're doing a lot more harm than they are good and i'll give you a case in point we filed a bill a couple weeks ago called the save our sequoias act we lost 20 percent of our giant sequoias to fire over the past two to three years uh, there's only thirty seven thousand acres in the world where these things grow, and it's on the western slopes of the Sierra Nevada um, it's the The forestry science behind what's happened there is pretty simple It's the fact that they've excluded fire for over a hundred years, and uh, you've got ladder fuels that gets fire up into the crowns now well we this is out in Kevin McCarthy's district. I went out with him, and we had a bipartisan trip there met with the the researchers and all the forest service park service uh, the tule river tribe and the state of california who are the who own these groves and we came up with a bipartisan um bill that is a great bill it's endorsed by the save the redwoods league who are people who really care about the redwoods we even got the uh Environmental Defense Fund and the Nature Conservancy endorsed this legislation, Uh, but there's a a group of people who have come out and written letters saying this is, uh, you know, this is bad. You know, they're trying to raise money off of it. They don't, they don't think we should do anything, and I guess they just want to sit back and watch the rest of these giant sequoias go up in flames. Uh, it, It. Is shocking when you see how much vitriol they've got and how they just, they want to do it one way and and they have blinders on and don't care about. Uh, what happens to the, uh, in this case, to the most iconic trees on the planet? Um, but if if something doesn't change, if they keep going down the same path they're going, then uh, we're going to lose these trees, and we're losing the, you know, some of the largest trees in the world. We've lost them over the past twenty years to wildfire, and fire should never kill these trees. Um, then you've got things like you were talking about the, the ESG. And the, the bill that G.T. Thompson and I filed on agriculture, it also addresses these um, financial rules that are hurting farmers, saying you got to do this, you know, carbon emissions calculations on, on farming activities, uh, and they're going through the financial sector to limit funding to people who they say are doing things that are harming the environment by producing carbon. So uh, it's everywhere you turn, they've got their tentacles out trying to influence um, what happens in the world in a negative way. I I just can't see a lot of benefit to these ideas that they're putting out there, and I don't understand why they keep putting out ideas that have no common sense to them and aren't going to do any good for society. And it makes you wonder if there's just malice involved, if there's some, some reason they're wanting to harm our country and harm, uh, harm our way of life.
1: Well, I, I got to be honest with you, Congressman. I think that sooner or later, uh, if these people keep getting their way, we'll all be back in buckboards with horses pulling them, uh, and and they'll find something wrong with what the horses are doing as far as that's concerned. But we're out of time today. We'll get back together next week. We'll talk about this more because it's it's a subject that is is just ripe. For uh, discussion. Hopefully you'll be in a position where you can make some changes coming up after the elections in November. We appreciate you, Congressman. Thanks for joining us today. Have a good one, Dave. All right. Bye-bye now. Congressman Bruce Westerman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you at nine o'clock, going to talk about The money following the students. We'll talk a little bit about Florida. We'll talk a little bit about Arizona and what might we expect here in Arkansas. Let's move into the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, Tomorrow, Lori Lee is going to be here. We're going to talk School Choice Arkansas with her. Today, I thought I would try to set tomorrow up by spending some time on School Choice, talking about it a little bit. I got an uh, op-ed I want to read here from the uh, uh, Arizona House of Representatives uh, Speaker of the House, ...dealing with their new school choice law that they have, which is the most expansive of any school choice law thus far here in the United States. Uh, There's a lot of uh, states now moving into school uh, choice and where the money follows uh, the students. So let let me just start off with this here. The Arkansas Legislature recently passed the most expansive school choice law in the nation... Opening up our empowerment scholarship account, an ESA, you're going to hear that a lot probably, uh, uh, well, during this hour and then uh, tomorrow. Uh, and the eligibility to all school-age children without restriction. Uh, As majority leader in the uh, Arizona House of Representatives, it was my privilege to sponsor the legislation and guide it to the finish line, delivering educational freedom to more than 1.1 million students. I'm proud to continue the Arizona tradition of leading on school choice. In 97, we were the first state with a tax credit scholarship program. In 2011, we passed the nation's first ESA law, which has slowly expanded to cover about a quarter of our students. We are now the first state with a truly universal ESA program. Essentially, this is how it works. Parents who apply for an ESA may direct about $7,000 to expenses like private school tuition, homeschooling expenses, educational therapies, and tutoring in in exchange for not attending a public school or receiving a tuition tax credit scholarship. While many scoffed at the notion that the Arizona legislation, uh, legislature could pass a universal ESA with single-vote Republican advantages in both chambers, I sensed that the time was right for bold choices on education. West Virginia passed a massive ESA expansion last year. Governor Kim Reynolds of Iowa raised eyebrows when she successfully supported primary defeats of eight incumbent Republicans who opposed her school choice measure. Lawmakers are taking notice. It's time to put school choice laws on the board of truth. Despite the pandemic and culture wars boasting, uh, you know, boosting the interest in school choice, victories have and are not, you know, just uh, taken for granted. Even in red states, conservatives must be focused yet flexible to achieve progress. Public pressure alone wasn't enough to pass ESAs in Arizona. Well, well-meaning Republicans care about their local public schools and sympathize with their opposition. Rural lawmakers worry about how it impacts their districts. Friday night lights is a real thing. You can call them rhinos or you can try to respond to their concerns. In Arizona, we showed lawmakers the data though through uh Uh, Though more than 250,000 students are currently eligible, just 11,000 or so use an ESA after a decade of existence. In areas with great public schools, there are often few ESA users. The truth is this, ESAs won't cripple public schools, but we think it will make them better. After years of unlimited district open enrollment in the highest percentage of students in charter schools in the nation, choosing your child's school instead of being directed by the government is the norm now in Arizona. The result, Arizona schools lead the nation in academic growth for both poor and non-poor students per the Stanford Opportunity Project. We invested more than a billion dollars in our school finance formula this year, most of which was to show holdouts that we weren't giving up on our public schools and were willing to deal. We were able to make that investment knowing it was buying radical reform, not because we were caving to cries from the left about school funding. We know those demands are eternal. We remain focused on improving outcomes and making choice a reality for all students. School choice opponents have been wrong for decades. Each advance is doggedly opposed because they know parents won't easily relinquish freedom once they have gotten it. Cynically, each proposal will be opposed under the guise that past uh, expansions are now sufficient. In Arizona, there isn't a politician of any stripe that would now dare publicly oppose open enrollment or charter schools. It's woven into our fabric. The opposition to school choice grows more desperate with each departure from the arcane system of government-directed enrollment. They are to be dismissed. For the reluctant supporters, they need to see the data, the outcomes, and the proud parents. And then they need to be put on record. And we did that in Arizona, and I'm proud that our Republican caucus stood together to get this done for students and parents that we hope more states will uh, join us. And I'll try to get Benjamin Toma uh, on. Uh, later on, maybe I can get him to join us tomorrow when Lori Lee is on. He's a Republican. He's the uh, majority leader of the Arizona House of Representatives, and talk about the fight that they've had in uh, in Arizona. I bring I'm bringing this up because you've heard the different uh, people that we've had here on the show over the last few weeks as i've begun to get uh, the uh, politicians on and talk to them about what they are expecting to happen in the general assembly in 2023 we're going to have a new uh, governor <clears throat> and uh, my fingers are crossed toes are crossed, eyes are crossed uh, that it, it will be sarah i think sarah will show us some real uh, gutty moves uh, towards school choice here in the state of Arkansas, and as i 've talked to uh, the lawmakers, they seem to have the definite appetite to move forward on this now, of course, push comes to shove and they start meeting, and school board uh, leaders and uh, you know school superintendents start calling uh, they'll they 'll put pressure on people not to vote for this. Uh, to, to move into school choice uh, that's where you come in and uh, you're going to have to start calling and say you know we need to do something so that we can get move this off the dime that it's stuck on <clears throat> as far as uh, what's going on in the state of arkansas uh, state of Arkansas needs to move forward on this, and uh, now you got Arizona, you got Florida, you got Indiana, you got Iowa, and you got other states as well with these ESAs. There's no reason why Arkansas can't do the same thing and really move forward and uh, give better education to our students here in the state and you're going to hear the cries you're going to hear the wails that that it's going to happen people like the arkansas times going to talk that that you know this is just a move to move money to private schools and and, and and the bottom line is uh if you're in an area where the public school is good you'll probably keep your kid in the public school you'll just take your esa and Leave it there at the public school. However, if you live in an area where the school system literally sucks and they're sucking the life out of your community, they're sucking the life out of your kids, they're not uh, educating your children, uh, then it's time to give parents the ability to make uh, choices for their own children in where they should go uh, to school, and uh, that's where I would like to see this happen now with this with me saying that I support this uh, know that i'll be keeping my eye out on and because you know I'll give you a good example why on private schools that let's say it's seven thousand dollars a student in this ESA educational saving account and and each parent has that. If I start seeing uh, private schools raising their rates because this money becomes available, uh, I'm going to start calling people's names out on the air. All right? I will start calling schools out on the air, uh, private schools, and talking about it. You'll remember this happened. This happened not too long ago. It wasn't just private schools, public schools as well. Remember when the lottery passed, and they said that they were going to give the the scholarship through the lottery. And every just about, well, I'm going to just say everyone that I know of, college out there raised their tuition because they they knew they could get that money. Uh, We cannot let that happen we've got to keep that from happening that'd be up to the the legislators to keep that from happening you know they, they're just going to have to do it. No good to get a new program and still make things uh, so high that the uh, the average parent in Arkansas cannot afford it. All right, got to get a break in. Let's do that. Then I'll come back and I'll talk further about this here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about David uh, David Lucas and uh, what's going on with David as far as helping you out uh, with your uh, savings that you got, that nest egg that you got out there. Uh, and one of the ways that you can help your nest egg, uh, and, and a lot of uh, economists talk about this, is by putting some uh, precious metal into the uh, nest egg, but how much? Well, that that's where David Lucas Financial comes in. They're going to take a look at all of that, and they're going to help you decide on that. And uh, it's it's more difficult to buy precious metals than it is to buy stocks and bonds. They'll teach you how to go about buying silver and gold. That's the two basic uh, metals that are, are bought by people. And all you have to do is call them. 501-222-3315, and they're going to teach you. You need some education on this. You need you need to know what to do and what not to do. Now they work. Uh, David Lucas Financial works with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers uh, for silver, or gold in the country. So you get direct prices from a dealer you can trust. And the only way you get information like that is to call people like David Lucas Financial you call David and and I'm just telling you they're going to do you a good job they'll take good care of you the number is 501-222-3315 that's 501-222 3315, investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial. It's an Arkansas registered investment advisor. Back with more on school choice here on The Dave Ellswick Show, 9 o'clock hour on 1011 FM. The answer. All right, so school choice is gaining momentum, big momentum. I remember, uh, you know, you hear me, if you hear me talking to uh, Bruce Westerman, about this is because I was at uh, covering uh, the state legislature at the Capitol back in 2010 when he was talking about uh, ESAs. Back then they used the uh, uh, the term vouchers. And uh, people talked about, oh my god, no, we can't do that. It, no, you can't do that. I mean the, the public school systems went apoplectic uh, about that uh this would destroy public schools it has shut public schools down and i'm just saying it that has it's not true that is not true there's a lot of states that are doing this now, uh, and there's kids uh, and parents that use the ESAs. A lot of the parents and the kids take their ESA right to their public school. They like their public school. They think their public school does a, does a fine job. Just because you have an ESA program does not mean that the majority of public schools are terrible. That's not what it means. Here's what it means. It means... That if you happen to be stuck in a place where the public school system stinks, you can get out of it. You can go off to charter schools, or you can go to a private school, or you can use it for homeschooling. There's a lot of different ways an ESA can be, uh, uh, can be used, but it gives the, the ability to the parents to have control for X amount of dollars uh, that would go towards their schooling at uh, any public school or whatever. Education Savings Accounts, or ESAs, are now the vanguard of school choice policy. No longer uh, do students – this is from a Forbes magazine uh, article. No longer must students exchange a voucher or a tax credit scholarship at a single educational institution. Now funding is placed in a flexible use spending account that families can spread across private schools, tutoring, therapies, and other educational resources. West Virginia passed an absolutely massive ESA bill (coughs) that will have the uh, broadest eligibility of any school choice program in the nation. Kentucky and Missouri were the first states to create ESAs that would be funded by tax-credited donations rather than directly by the state. And not to be left out, Indiana created a new ESA program. And Florida consolidated one of its voucher programs with its ESA program, allowing more students to have access to ESAs. Legislatures also expanded voucher and tax credit scholarship programs. We have a scholarship program here in Arkansas. I mean, it's small, but it's there, and some people are using it and using it to great advantage. Georgia, Florida, Indiana, Maryland all expanded their voucher programs, allowing either broader broader eligibility, increasing the amount of money available for vouchers, or both. Indiana stands out as now 90% of families are eligible for the state's 10-year-old voucher program. Arkansas, Florida, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Montana, Oklahoma, and South Dakota either created new tax credit scholarship programs or expanded eligibility or funding for their existing uh, programs in total. Thirteen states have created five new programs and expanded 13 existing programs. Hundreds of thousands of families across the country will become eligible to participate in the next year or two, offering new opportunities that previously were financially out of their reach. School choice expanded this year because school choice is popular. In April of 2020, according to a monthly opinion tracker polls from Forbes, 64% of Americans and 78% of American parents support education savings account programs, or ESAs. That support is bipartisan, with 68% of Republicans and 58% of Democrats backing ESAs. Vouchers are popular as well, with 59% of all Americans and 72% of parents supporting them. It really is as simple as that. Legislators are doing what their constituents want uh, to be done. The uh, coronavirus pandemic opened many parents' eyes to new and different educational opportunities and possibilities that are out there. While in the past, many went with what their local school district or even their local private school had to offer, the pandemic exposed millions of families to pandemic pods, micro schools, hybrid homeschooling, virtual learning, and a host of different educational modalities that might better fit their child's need. There's no one best way to educate children in America. During the pandemic, tons of kids absolutely hated remote learning and uh, loathed every minute they had to stare into their computer screen. But some kids loved it and thrived in it. The same is true for hybrid learning, where children attend class for some part of the week and are schooled at home for the other part of the week. Some children and their families loved this new schedule and found that it fit the rhythms of their lives better. Others detested it and wanted to either be in person or online, but not both. And we're going to continue talking about this. I, I, I kind of educate you about what all is going on right now so you can d- decide, uh, get an idea of when they start talking about this, you're going to have an idea of what it uh, what it means for you and uh, and your family. And Lori Lee will be on tomorrow. She's been uh, adamantly Involved in school choice for years, and uh, she's a great resource to this show and to uh, our community. And uh, we're going to to use her her uh, information to help you uh here on the Dave Ellswick show. We got to get some local news for you. Let's do that. Then we'll return here on the Dave Ellswick show and finish up this nine o'clock hour talking about school choice today here on the Dave Ellswick show. Again, let me remind you about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry and what they can do for you. All right. Eric, who is the owner, uh, tells you, you know, been doing this for 40 years. I know what I'm doing. And he does. He does know what he's doing. You go talk to him. You'll be amazed at the knowledge this man has, uh, you know, on, on stones. You know, when you're talking diamonds, rubies, emeralds. You know, diamond, colored diamonds, all of that. He can tell you how all of that works, what's important to know about a diamond, what's important to know about a colored gemstone. He can t- just, he'll sit there and talk to you about it. And he has got plenty of what we would call free stones. Uh, he pull out a tray and, and just show you, uh, you know, <laughs> literally thousands of dollars in in uh, stones Uh, that you can choose from if you're for instance wanting a a wedding ring or you're wanting an engagement set uh to to be uh to be bought a a wedding ring set one ring for a man ring for the woman uh he can he can design all that for you now don't expect him to do it in a couple of weeks you got to get a hold of him and give him some time but he can do that for you. He also has, of course, he has sets that are right there in the jewelry case that you can buy, if that's uh, more to your liking. And when it comes to buying that uh, material, uh, that product, know that you're going to save money. He, he promises. He promises you that he'll save you money on wedding and, and engagement sets as much as 20%. So you should, and when you're talking engagement sets, you're talking a lot of money typically. So 20% is a big savings. Keep that in mind. Uh, On top of that, you need a repair for a piece of jewelry. He can do that. Need it cleaned. He can do that. He's your full service jeweler. That's over at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Give them a call if you'd like to go in and sit down and talk to Eric. 501-246-3655. They are located at three thousand Cavanaugh Boulevard in Suite E. They're open Monday through Saturday, ten until six p.m. I bought uh, the last pieces of jewelry I bought, uh, which were for my wife for uh, Christmas. I bought them at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. I'm also, you know, a client of theirs because I believe in what they do and the prices that they charge. That's Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. All right, we're down to about 20 minutes left here. we got a few more minutes that we can talk about this whole thing about school choice. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, Eli, my grandson, We're going over uh, to Oklahoma, pick him up on Saturday, bring him back. So he'll be here next week. So I think uh, we'll look at picking up three tickets and heading out to see Wizard of Oz ourself on Tuesday. Don't forget, that's over at Riverdale 10. Uh, Go to Riverdale10.com. Go to future, you know, showings. Uh, The Wizard of Oz poster will show up. Uh, Touch on... uh, seven o'clock which is the show time and you can see the seats that are still available and they're getting thinner all the time so buy your seats now well early u.s census bureau reports point to a massive increase going on in homeschooling during the pandemic i probably should get uh the folks on from family council uh you know and talk to them uh, about this because they keep uh, close tabs on it Again, what you do is you see families looking outside of the traditional system to provide a better education for their children. Substantial growth in support among black families and in states that were historically more hostile to homeschooling also point to a changed landscape when it comes to our understanding of who wants what in education. Change is scary. I mean, let's face it. You know, stepping out and maybe thinking about using a private school, whatever, you've always been in public schools, or you're thinking about going into homeschooling. It can be intimidating, and, and you might be going, hmm, do I really want to do that or not? Well, clearly the majority of Americans, a supermajority of parents, and increasing numbers of state legislators and governors are now agreeing change is good. Good outcomes will come from that. You need to keep all of that uh, in mind. Uh, that you're going to have this stuff available to you, so you need to take uh, advantage of it and not be a, not be scared about it. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff that's that's going on right now. Uh, you know they, that that that's a, that's occurring with this. You know. Just check it out. Check it out. And don't believe the hyperbole that you're going to hear from the teachers' unions, school superintendents, and others. And know that your your legislators are going to be well founded on all this about ESAs, and that our new governor, which I, I tell you, I believe it to be uh, Sarah, are educated on it as well. And that the more choice that you have, the better the outcomes will be for the students here in in Arkansas. You know, the left has been fighting against this forever. I'm going to have a lady on in the in near future who had her, her uh, child in a, a school system in D.C. In fact, they made a movie about her. And uh, her child... Had been struggling, uh, was was scared of going to the public school system that was in D.C., and so she was lucky enough to get a voucher and go and was able to go to uh, a private school, and uh, she thrived in the pri- in the private school. Well, guess who fought against that program? President Obama. He finally shut it down. Now the the hypocrisy of it is amazing to me. you know he could have put his kids in public school but he chose not to. He put them in a private school where he knew they could get the best education they possibly can but this- young, this woman uh, who had her child in a, a private school to get the best you know best uh, education she could for her her kid wasn't allowed to they shut the program down. We'll get her on. She lives in Arkansas now. We'll bring her into the studio and we'll sit here and talk to her and and what that was all like and what that was all about. And it happened, uh, you know, happened some time ago. Find out how her her uh, her child is doing now uh with that. So just know that things are are going on that uh, are good. Uh, the whole thing in West Virginia Uh, teachers in West Virginia not only revealed in their success but also vowed to punish their enemies and last year's enemies uh, primaries they helped unseat a pair of state senators uh, who were prominent uh, supporters of school choice got rid of them and now West Virginia's back Uh, and those people I'm sure are wishing that they had not gone uh, that way Uh, They suffered big losses in the state. Republicans won supermajorities in both legislative chambers, and they wasted uh, little time before passing one of the most expansive school choice laws in the country. West Virginia now offers universal education savings accounts, or ESAs. Keep those three letters in your mind, all right, if you're a parent. ESA, because you're going to hear more and more about them. And then, after the beginning of the year, and the uh, general assembly gets together, we should hear about them a lot, a lot. And uh, you should be, whenever you hear it, your 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 ears should perk up. Uh, these differ from traditional vouchers in that they can be used not only for private school tuition, but also for tutoring, therapies, technology, and all manner of education-related services. West Virginia's new HOPE Scholarship Program, launched uh, in 2022-23 school year, provides students with up to $4,600 each in state funding for a wide range of approved services, including those from out-of-state providers. The program is open to all K-12 students, with funds available to families who withdraw students from public schools or who don't enroll new school-age children there in the first place. What's more, there's a trigger provision that allows children who already are enrolled in private schools to receive vouchers if participation in the ESA program does not exceed 5% of public school enrollment within two years. Other states have experimented with ESAs. Uh, The scholarship programs have generally been limited by geographical area or to particular populations of students or families, such as children with disabilities or those with a military background. In West Virginia, ESAs are not capped and will be widely available. Same thing now in Arizona. Uh, Quote, they had no... Uh, private school choice a year ago, now they have the most ambitious program in the country. That according to Patrick Wolf, an education policy professor at the University of Arkansas, they went from zero to 100 in one session. West Virginia is standing out in its dramatic move towards school choice. Arizona now as well. Uh, so, you know it's not the only place uh, where proponents were able to take a victory lap this year. Other states that had long resisted school options suddenly changed their positions. In states that have consistently experimented with alternatives to traditional public schools such as Arizona and Florida, the size and scope of their programs continued to grow. Said Robert Inlow, president and CEO of the advocacy group Ed Choice, It's been a breakthrough year. This is, without a doubt, based on all our tracking over the years, the biggest year for educational school choice. Again, we'll get back into this. We're going to get into uh, where Arkansas is at and uh, where Lori Lee thinks the uh, the legislature is at. Uh, and their appetite to make these changes, we could be by, like West Virginia, I hope we are that we go from zero to a hundred That we we step on the the accelerator, and we know that this is going to work, and we go for it. We'll talk more we'll finish up this hour here on the Dave Ellswick show, spending time on school choice one oh one one f m the answer Florida as well as Arizona both are working this ESA program uh, these educational savings accounts and uh, used to be in Florida you had to uh, go and register with the public school first before you could even begin the process of getting an ESA. That now has been changed, and you can go right into ESAs. Uh, that if you were a military member, you were finding yourself put on a waiting list. That's been gotten rid of. So, again, these programs are just opening up now. And uh, giving uh, kids and their parents a real opportunity to get out and make a change uh, in uh, their school choice experience. And it really is exciting. Uh, and I, I believe that what we're going to see is that kids are going to do better uh, in schools. I mean, look, all of my kids went to public school. Uh, some of the schools were better than others. Um I won't get into the ones that were really, uh, which were bad, because I ended up moving one of my kids out of a, of a school here in Little Rock because there was a pro, there was problems with it. I didn't like it. I I went went over and visited the 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 school, sat down in the classroom, and uh, watched kids that were just completely disrespectful to the teachers, were disruptive, and I could look at it and say, there's no way my my, uh, my son is going to be able to, to, to learn here. You know, you got kids disrupting the classrooms left and right. So uh, we moved him out and went to a different place and got somewhere where it was a whole lot more uh, uh, relaxed, a lot more uh, under control. And uh, he, he uh, went from having trouble to, to uh, doing well in school as far as that was concerned. that That's what you should be able to do uh, as as a parent. That's why parents are so overwhelmingly open to school choice. You get stuck in some of these schools that just don't cut the mustard. It, it's just the way it is. So uh, let the money follow the kids. Let the kids' uh, parents take the child and put them in the school system Or in a a way that uh, schools can be uh, designed so that it's the best for that particular uh, kid. It may may not be homeschooling. It may not be a private school. It may be a public school. But it just seems to me that uh, kids uh, should have the opportunity uh, to and their parents to make the choice on um, where they're going to go to school. Well, I'm getting all fired up. I'm getting ready. On uh, the 23rd of this month, there's uh, myself and the uh, luscious Linda and uh, 30 others of you uh, that are going to get on a uh, a charter bus, and we're going to travel to Pennsylvania, and we're going to go to Philadelphia, and we're going to see Constitution Hall, the Liberty Bell, and uh, that new museum about how faith uh, affected our our founding in our country. We're going to go to Gettysburg. We're going to go out to Amish uh, uh, living areas uh, out there in Pennsylvania. We're going to go to the Sight and Sound, uh, the original Sight and Sound, and see the production of David, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And like I said, we're going with 30 other people. 30 of you have decided to to take the Faith, Freedom, and Founders Tour, which is coming up. And we're going to have a great time doing that. I'm looking forward to it. I know that Linda's looking forward to it. And uh, I've, I've talked to a few of the people that are going, and they're looking forward to it as well. There are always great trips. This is uh, the reestablishment, uh, the Patriot Tours, again, that I've done for years here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, your opportunity to go uh, and travel and see some great things uh, uh, from our history. And see it up close and personal and get the real facts instead of hearing all the 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 BS that you're hearing from the left anymore. You know, uh, that, that whole F the 4th of July thing didn't go very far. But that there's some people that are out there that uh, feel that way. Uh, it, kind of, it breaks my heart, really. You live in the greatest nation on the face of the earth right now. Uh, if, if you've ever been in the military and you've been in other places in the world, you know this as well as I do, that uh, America is a great place uh, to call home. It really is. I mean, I've seen abject poverty. I, I've seen the babies with the bloated stomachs and, you know, flies all over them and things. of that. I've seen that up close and personal. I've been in some of those places in the world, and and some of you who are listening right now have been in those places in the world. And it, it bothers you as it bothers me when people talk about how terrible America is. It, I, I just want to shake my head. I really do. Just shake my head. Most of the people who consider themselves poor in this country live like kings, considering the people who live in countries where abject poverty you know exists just uh don't don't think that that uh poor here in the united states is the way poor is over in other parts of the nation or of the world that's just not uh, absolutely not true all right for thursday tomorrow uh we we'll of course cover any of the big stories that are going on I'll bring you all the information that may be new about what happened at that shooting over the 4th of July in in Highland Park there's there's materials that are coming out about that and uh that it was a premeditated shooting uh the kid, this this young man had been uh, you know planning on this for uh, uh 3 weeks at least and uh took uh you know clothing female clothing And uh, put it on after he did the shooting so that he could get away in the crowd and nobody would be able to tell that he was the shooter. Uh, He's been charged with seven counts of first degree murder. And um, it uh, is a terrible situation. Uh, There's other information that has come out. I've talked about it today. We'll talk about it tomorrow. We'll talk with Joe and Duck. We'll talk about cars. And then Lori Lee will come on, and we'll talk about Arkansas and school choice. What might be coming up in 2023? We'll talk about that here on the Dave Ellsworth Show. Have a great afternoon. I'll join you again at 6 a.m. in the morning. Hope to see you there. And uh, we'll talk about what's important right here on the Dave Ellswick Show.